our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So friends, the year was 2002. I had recently graduated from high school. I was on my own for the first time in my life, and I had been at Young Harris College for about one month. Now, if you've never heard of Young Harris College, that does not surprise me. At the time I was there, it was a small two-year college in the middle of the North Georgia mountains. And being in the middle of the North Georgia mountains, there was not a lot to do there on the weekends. So one Saturday morning, my friends and I were trying to figure out what we were going to do that day. And we had noticed that there was a mountain behind our dorm that seemed to have a rock face on top of the mountain. And so we made a plan. We decided that we were going to make and pack dinners. We were going to hike to the top of that mountain. We were going to look at Young Harris College down in the valley, take pictures of it, eat dinner together, and watch the sunset together. So we began to enact that plan. We drove to the base of that mountain. We could not find a trail that would lead us to the top of the mountain, but we solved that problem really quickly. We just started walking through the woods in an upward direction, knowing we would eventually make it to the top. And after two hours of hiking up that mountain, we did make it to the top, and it was everything that we had hoped for. We could see miles in every direction off that mountain. We could see Young Harris College down in the valley. We took pictures of Young Harris College. We ate dinner together, and we watched the sunset together. Our plan had worked to perfection, except... My 18-year-old friends and I, who had recently graduated from high school and were on our own for the first times in our lives, had forgotten one tiny detail. Do you know what happens in the middle of the North Georgia mountains when the sun goes down? I hear you. It gets dark. It gets really, really dark. And we had brought nothing in the way of flashlights or anything to help us. We quickly realized our mistake. We started rushing down that mountain in the direction of where we had parked the cars. But after 20 minutes, it was completely dark and we were completely lost. We were running into tree branches. We were running into trees. We were tripping over tree roots and rocks. And what kept replaying over and over in my head was Young Harris College orientation. When someone had stood up and calmly told all of the incoming freshmen that if you were ever hiking in the woods around Young Harris College, that there were bears in those woods. 
We were so scared, and it was so dark, and we were so lost in that moment. We wandered around in those woods for what felt like hours until we finally came through a particularly dense set of trees, and we noticed a small light off in the distance. And when we saw that light, we had hope. We fixed our eyes on that light, and we followed that light for another hour, hour and a half. We finally made it to the light. It ended up being a street lamp beside a road, and we followed that road back to Young Harris College, back to safety. And we spent the next month telling anyone who would listen about our adventures in the mountains and how we had been saved by finding and following that small light. I thought about that story a lot this last week as I was preparing for this sermon, as I was reading our scripture passage for today, and I was reading this Bible story. This is a story that most of you know. If you've been in church, you've grown up in church, it's a story that you've probably heard over and over again, but it's one of my favorite stories about Jesus in the Bible, and it's a story I tell the kids of our church a lot throughout the year. Jesus has just finished feeding the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish. And as soon as he is done with that, he sends his disciples on ahead of him to their next destination. He sends them in a boat across a lake towards the next city that he's going to be teaching in. But he stays behind, and he dismisses the crowd, and then he goes up on a mountainside to pray. And sometime in the middle of the night, the Bible tells us that a really strong wind arises. And it begins to push the disciples' boat back and forth because it causes really strong waves. And then, so the disciples, they, um, before they had been disciples of Jesus, many of them had been fishermen. So they would have known what to do in this situation. And I'm sure that's what they were doing. They were taking the necessary precautions to keep themselves and the boat safe that night. But the Bible says right before dawn, they notice something strange on the water. They see a blurry, shadowy figure walking towards them on the water. It says it's right before dawn, so that time of day when you can just start to make out shapes, but you can't make out details. So we know it's Jesus, but they don't know that it's Jesus. They just see a blurry, shadowy figure walking on the water towards them. And their brains come up with the only explanation that they can come up with. They say, it's a ghost. And in response, Jesus yells out, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. The disciples are in awe, and Peter responds, Lord, if it's really you... Tell me to walk to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. And in an amazing act of faith, Peter climbs out of the boat and starts walking toward Jesus. He has his eyes on Jesus and is walking towards him on the water. But at some point, our scripture tells us that Peter noticed the wind. He took his eyes off of Jesus and looked at the wind and waves. And when he did, he became scared and he began to sink. And as he sank, he cried out, Lord, save me. And I love the next word. Verse 31 says that immediately Jesus reaches out, catches Peter, and keeps him from drowning. Then Peter and Jesus walk back to and climb into the boat, and the wind stops. And our story ends with the disciples in awe of Jesus and worshiping Jesus on the boat. Friends, just like my friends and I kept our eyes fixed on and moved towards that small light in the mountains, Peter stepped out of the boat. And kept his eyes on and moved towards something far greater. Jesus, who would later call himself the light of the world. And as long as Peter kept his eyes fixed on Jesus, he could walk on water. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus and focused on the wind, the waves, and the danger around him, he began to panic and he began to sink. 
So there are two questions that I've been wrestling with and thinking about this week based on this story. And I want to invite you to join me in thinking about them this morning. Number one, what are the winds and waves in our lives that keep us from fixing our eyes on Jesus? And number two, what can we do to help us keep our eyes on Jesus? The wind and the subsequent waves on the water caused Peter to take his eyes off of Jesus, and he began to panic and sink in the water. So what are the winds and waves in our lives that sometimes cause us to take our eyes or our focus off of Jesus? I think it can be many different things for many different people at many different times. It could be big things like a phone call from a doctor saying that the test results are not good. It could be financial troubles. It could be arguments or estrangements with members of your family, being betrayed by someone you love, or watching a family member struggle with challenges or sicknesses and not knowing how to help. Or it could be a cascade of small, inconvenient things that taken all together cause us to become irritated, tired, or overwhelmed. We all experience times when life becomes hard, life becomes overwhelming for any number of reasons. And when these times come, fear and worry naturally come with them. And if we give into and focus on that fear and worry, we take our eyes or our focus off of Jesus. And with our eyes off of Jesus, we're like Peter. We panic and we begin to feel like we're sinking under the weight of our troubles. During these times, we sometimes lash out at others. We say things we wouldn't normally say. And we act in ways we wouldn't normally act. We feel like we're sinking because we've taken our eyes our focus, and our faith off of Jesus, and instead we're focusing entirely on our fear and worry. Are any of you feeling that way this morning? Can you remember a time when you felt that way? I know I can, and it is a horrible, horrible feeling. And it's so easy during those times to lose yourself in the fear and worry and forget to fix your eyes on and focus on Jesus. And so the second thing I want us to think about is this. When those difficult times come in our lives, and we all know that they will, what can we do to help us keep our eyes on Jesus, to focus on Him instead of our fears and worries? I think there are many ways that we can do this, but I wanted to mention three briefly this morning. The first thing I think we can do is pray. As I say to the kids of our church all the time, prayer is simply talking to God. When these difficult times come, we can talk to God about them. If you're angry, sad, or worried, you can talk to God about it and ask God to help. When we begin to feel overwhelmed, when we begin to feel like we are sinking, we can spend time in prayer. And when we do that, we are reminding ourselves that God is with us and that God can help us. When we pray, we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. The second thing I think we can do is read the Bible. I tell the kids of our church all the time that the Bible is God's really, really long letter to us that shows us who God is, how much God loves us, and how God wants us to live our lives. And as we read Bible stories and Bible verses, we're reminded of the promises of God, that God promises to always love us. God promises to always be with us. God promises to help us, walk with us, and give us strength during the hard times, and many other promises like that. As we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit reminds us who God is, how much God loves us, and reminds us of the promises of God. When we read the Bible, we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. And finally, the third thing that I think we can do to help us keep our eyes on Jesus when difficult times arise is to find individuals and groups within the church that we can talk to and lean on. I believe that we as humans are created for and need community. 
When the winds and waves of life come, we need people who will stand with us and who will remind us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Friends, as we practice these things, both in good times and bad, we are more and more likely to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus when the wind and waves of life arise. And we are more likely to choose faith over fear when we begin to feel like we are sinking. All of our problems won't magically go away, but we can find strength, peace, and hope as we fix our eyes on and focus on Jesus. So I mentioned a minute ago that there were many practices that could help us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. The reason I chose those three in particular is because those three helped me in one of the hardest moments in my life. Tomorrow marks the eight-year anniversary of when me and my family arrived here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. We've been here for eight years, and I think it's been a good eight years. And when I arrived here eight years ago, I was on top of the world. Right? I just passed a really important interview in the ordination process in the United Methodist Church. I was coming to a new state, to a new city, to a new church to teach new kids about the love of Jesus. I was coming with my family, which was my three-year-old son, Gavin. If you see him up here, he's not three anymore. He, has, he had much less hair at the time. But I was here with Gavin. I came with my wife, Stephanie, and Stephanie was pregnant with our second child. I was on top of the world when I got here. But about a month and a half after we got here, Stephanie went into labor really, really early. She went into labor at 26 weeks pregnant. And we rushed her to the hospital, and thankfully they were able to stop labor that day. But they put Stephanie on bed rest for the remainder of her pregnancy, what ended up being 11 weeks. So now all of a sudden, I'm in a brand new state. I'm in a brand new city. I'm in a brand new church, and I don't know anyone And I'm having to do all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the shopping. I'm taking care of my three-year-old son. I'm trying to take care of Stephanie. And I'm worried, sick about Stephanie. And who ended up being Katie, my unborn child. And here at the church, I was trying to get to know people. I was trying to figure out where to go. This church can be kind of confusing if you walk around here. So I'm getting to know how to get around the church. I'm getting to know the people. And I'm starting to get ready for Vacation Bible School, the biggest event we have in the children's ministry throughout the year. And under the weight of all of that, I began to feel like I was sinking. I began to take my eyes and my focus off of Jesus. And I was focusing only on that fear and worry. And I began to feel like I was crumbling under that weight. And so I tried the first two things we talked about there. I began to read my Bible more. I was reading the Bible in the morning and at night, and I was clinging to those promises of God, the promises that God was right there with me, that God would never leave me, and that God would walk with me and help me through the hard times. I began to pray more. I began to pray every time I felt that anxiety and worry welling up within me. I would sneak away somewhere to a quiet place, to pray, and to pray those promises of God to God, and to ask God to help me, to be with me, to walk with me, and to remind myself that God was there with me. And those two things helped more than I can possibly describe up here right now, but what helped more than anything during those 11 weeks was the love and support of this church. The people of Bluff Park did not know me. We had only been here for a month and a half, but they surrounded my family in those 11 weeks more than I deserved, 
more than I could have possibly imagined. I had so many people showing up at our apartment that we had, and they were just offering to sit with Stephanie so that she would have someone to talk to while she was on bed rest. If you've met Stephanie, she likes to talk. She doesn't like to sit by herself. So they came, and they talked to Stephanie. I had people come up to me and offer to take Gavin to hang out with their friend, their, their kids during the day so that I could come to work or so that I could take Stephanie to the doctor or be with Stephanie when I needed to be. I had people, when we had to go back to the hospital four other times in those 11 weeks, to stop labor so that Katie wouldn't come too early. I had people come to me, and they offered to have Gavin spend the night with them and their kids so that he didn't have to spend the night at the hospital. Gavin, am, am I a good cook? No, I'm not a good cook. That was one of my worries is that I was going to have to feed my family and cook for them for 11 weeks. I may be cooked four times because meal after meal after meal showed up during those 11 weeks. Tomorrow marks the eight-year anniversary of when my family arrived here at Bluff Park. Friends, I really don't think I would have made it through six months here without the love and support of this church. I firmly believe that praying reading your Bible, and being a part of a community of faith or a small group can help us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus when those winds and waves of life arise. And so as we close, I want to encourage all of us to do something this morning. I won't call it homework because I work with kids and I know that's not a fun word. Let's call it a challenge. I want to challenge all of us to practice something daily or weekly that helps us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. You may want to try to read your Bible or pray daily, weekly, or simply more than you have before. If you don't know where to start with that, our church has this great thing called Life Track Daily, where we'll send you a daily email with prayers, a scripture reading, and a small devotional that, arri- that arrives every morning. And if you're interested in that, come find me after the service or talk to Reverend Ross in the weeks to come. We can help you get signed up for that. You may want to try to join a small group in our church, something like a Bible study, the gathering Sunday school class, or a common table. And if you need help with that, please talk to or email Reverend Ross. I know he would love to help you with that. You may want to try something we haven't talked about this morning that you think will help you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Whatever it is, I want to encourage all of us to consider practicing something this week that will help us all commit as individuals, families, and as a church to keeping our eyes on and following Jesus, the light of the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in the gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.